Hello, this is DMCB1994, aka Dominic Holm Briggs. Welcome to the Sound Pub Podcast. Now, the intention of the Sound Pub Podcast is to bring hip hop, metal, and punk fans together, highlight classics and hidden gems of the genres, bring to front new and underground ice, as well as expand music tastes, as well as provide a nice bit of escapism. Now, today, we are doing part one, yes that is correct, part one of a deep dive into the history of hip-hop production. This will cover from 1974, so the originating culture of hip-hop, so around the time of African Barter first founding the Black Spades and going from there, to 1984, which would be the year when DMC released their first album. So we're going to start off. We're covering 1974 to 1978. In terms of production around the early days of hip-hop, the turntable, the mixer and the microphone. Really the only main tools of a trade the DJ had at the time. In its primordial stages of hip-hop, owing to the reduction of artistic fundings and grants in the communities that would affect the people within the scene and genre. However, However, around this time, you'd also see reductions in instruments as well as lessons, as well as the arts departments within those sorts of schools around the Bronx area. However, this caused a lot of the youth around the time to not have classical and traditional music trailing, trainings, something seen a lot seen a lot in the rock world at the time, especially in the more classic rock and prog area sort of groups. However, owing to the resiliency of the people, it did not prevent them from enjoying music and for being part of it and participating in it. An early pioneer of the style of music was a man who went by the name of Africa Mambata. Now he was a member of the Black Spades at the time, a street gang. However, he left that life to then form the Zulu Nation. The Zulu Nation were more of an Afrocentric peaceful organisation, one that tended to unite gangs of the area to form peace, so rather than having gangland warfares in the Bronx and the surrounding five boroughs, they basically tried to come together to form something that's more of a positive outlook and a positive outcome for the people, sort of like the Black Panthers back in the day as well. In this piece, a genre was formed, and that genre was hip-hop. Hip-hop is, of course, the culmination of the MC, aka rapping, DJing, which also may be called producing, uh, graffiti art, and breakdancing. Now, at the time, there was nothing really, in, no real samplers and dolls and such, which were openly available to people at the time. So, there may have been, like, bare lights back in the day, but those weren't. Those were prohibitively expensive compared to what was available in terms of a microphone and so turntables and such. So the turntable became a key tool of a trade to a DJ at the time, with DJs playing records one after the other. So basically a traditional sort of disco setting where you just play one after the other after the other to basically get the crowd enjoying themselves. However, at the time, hip-hop was usually played in day rooms or in small-scale clubs. However, one of the technological advancements of hip-hop was taking it outside and then basically taking power from the streetlights and making it ample to be able to play played out outdoors in more bigger and wider settings. 
But in this time period, hip-hop DJs also realised that people in the audience would react to certain sections and songs more so than the others. This was commonly referred to as the get-down, however it would more modernly be known or more contemporarily be known as the break. A break is a small subsection of a track where the drums usually kick in in more than in more so than other instruments. So this so DJs at the time would use markers or other indicators to locate the breaks from the records they play. So a break is essentially the band's playing, the band's playing, then there's like a downbeat and then maybe the drummer comes in with a beat. Uh classic examples are like James Brown's Godfather. But there's a classic one also in James Brown in terms of blind man can see. So, so we have the break there. Now using a mixer, they could lift and drop the needle onto these breaks over and over again. This would go on to be called needle dropping. And this would form the backbone of hip hop at the time. So a DJ could get two records get one brick beat on here and one brick beat on the other, usually the same sort of record, lift up the beat, then it plays, switch over to the other side, drop the needle, it keeps playing left, right, left, right, over and over, so you get, say, the brick beat playing for more than it's probably four bar length. However, certain DJs at the time were not wanting to rely on markers, so basically sometimes if you're marking a vinyl, it can affect its overall quality. So that's sort of uh, something you want to kind of avoid. So a DJ at the time who was known as Grandmaster Flash, as a student of electronics, he developed a system he could use so you could hear the mixer without playing it to the crowd. So basically you take one signal from the mixer goes to the crowd, one signal from the mixer goes to the headphones, and then you can also have a system where you can choose what side of the, the decks you want your uh, headphones to listen to. So that's sort of like an early version of a Q system. And this was also known as the peekaboo system along with culture as well. This enabled DJs to queue breaks and go back and forth as a merry-go-round fashion. This was known as the merry-go-round technique and it was also led to being easier for MCs to toast over the beats or for break dancers to dance over them as well. <clears throat> now we're going to go into 1979 when with hip-hop moving into a studio setting thanks to the use of tracks such as Personality Jock by King Tim III as well as Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang Record producers and engineers set out to use the technology available to them to expand the needle dropping and merry-go-round techniques of the past. A way this was achieved was recording off a of vinyl to a or a tape, the break beat used, and then six using that and then placing that underneath DMCs wrapping over the top. And this was generally the basic rudiments of early hip-hop production. So what you do is you find a popular break or a popular section, record that into it, sample it, not really a sampler because it doesn't run a sample, but take that uh, waveform, or not waveform because it wasn't there to do it, so basically take that, record it to tape, send the tape around, but then dub your lyrics on the top, and then do that until you're happy with the prod product. 
However, in 1981, a new tool was added to the arsenal of the hip-hop producer. This came in the form of the TR-808 drum machine, which emulated various drum patterns and sound. This led to the expanding of the hip-hop soundscape, with no longer having to rely on just breaks or loops to fall past tracks. This could be used to beef up the sound create something new to rhyme over. However, along with this time, you had people like Pumpkin, a famous band member of the time who would copy and create his own drum loops using analog drums. So you had sort of two schools of thoughts with the sort of drums of the time. You could either have a live band, so something like Pumpkin, playing breaks, which may have been famous before, or he may have made up his own ones as well. However, you also had the sort of background of using the TR-808 for your drum sounds. And also you could have MCs at home use the TR-808 to make their own beats as well. So that helped expand and make it easier for non-musicians to enter the space. In 1992, we would see an expansion of this. However, many of the soundscapes were still rooted in disco, funk and sort of the basic background. Now a theory I have about this is that hip-hop at the start always had a root in sort of disco and funk, whether it be the venues or the records it samples. Also with early hip-hop pioneers using more jazzy style raps and rhythm talking rather than modern MCing. Remember, it had only been one year since Cool Mo D versus Busy B Battle, so party MCs still had a lot left, so sort of the party MC style still had a lot left in it. Also, a lot of so a lot of records at the time had an 808 beat, but also used samples from disco tracks and other tracks in more crude ways. However, this would sort of change with Grandmaster Flash, who would help change this in his production work on the tracks The Message. This was an early look into how the West Coast sound would be used, with some sort of synth and funk elements, remember, down the West Coast, Dr. Dre especially used a lot more synth work and a lot more sort of funk elements as well, as well as a more serious topic and lyrical style. A lot of the hip hop style was mainly rooted in party jams or flexing but how good you are at rhyming. So in essence, the message was help giving inspiration to more modern producers coming down the line, as well as helping MCs develop a more conscious rhyme ideals. However, we're going to go to 1984, so via the use of the more advanced technology as well as hip-hop in a more developed genre. This is 10 years after its founding, and it's also about, say, 6 years after its initial studio development. You had an expansion of hip-hop soundscape, uh, going from the more jazzy disco rap-esque beats and production to a more funk and soul sample with more James Brown-esque beats. An example of this is the treacherous L. Treacherous Freeze LP, which is self-titled, as well as the time. In this time period, you had the emergency of hard rock and hip-hop crossing over, with the emergence of groups like Run DMC, with Jan Master J choosing more rock-oriented samples, especially present during the songs such as Rockbox. This was also helped by Rick Rubin having access to more metal and rock musicians, thanks to the Def Jam Records. Uh, Def Jam Records, as you may know, also worked with a certain thrash band called Slayer, allowing a more evolved soundscape to appear. This was further expanded with Teela Rook, It's Yours, and LL Cool J's I Need a Beat. 
appearing with a harder, more minimalist edge than previous non-Run DMC works. So this has been part one of the hip hop production deep dive going from 1974 to 1984. This has been Dominic Coleman Briggs, aka DMCB1994. Hope you have a good day, good week, a good year, good month. And hope you go see some gigs, see some friends and generally enjoy yourself. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.